As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi everybody, welcome to The Ruck. I bet you thought we were going to be all miserable at the start and talk about red cards and England being useless and especially the heading by Will Kelleher, our man in Dublin, who said England can lose to Spain and Samoa. They are that bad. We'll be coming on to that in a minute. we got the two great Marks with us in the studio. Mark Palmer, our Scottish rugby expert, and he's almost at the gloating point, Mark with the recent form of Scotland? Uh, getting there, certainly before I went to Cardiff at the weekend, that might have been the case. Mark Evans is also with us. He's one of the happiest men in sport. We sent him down deliberately to sort out Fijian rugby, and in particular Fiji Drua in Super Rugby. They had a memorable season. And uh, welcome home, Mark, or Ratu Mark Evans, as you know known as Chief of Fiji. It must have been brilliant, mate. You must have been delighted with, what, almost a 50% record? Yeah, it was a good year. Um, I mean, we hit all the targets we set ourselves. Uh, there's still loads to do and a lot more progress to be made, but it is, it's a joy. It's the most rugby-mad place I've ever been to. It's just extraordinary. Just before, we, we'll come back to Drew later, but um, Fiji, if they're going to progress, Mark, have to beat, it seems, either... Australia or Wales. Could they? Yeah, they could. I'm not saying they will, but they could. They're a very different type of Fijian team than the ones that lots of people have seen over the years. Um, much better in the set piece, or the line-out still needs a bit of work, but the, the scrum's pretty good, as uh, long as they don't get too many, we don't get too many injuries. Ball retention's improved out of sight, and still got that extraordinary physicality um about them because that's just the way the players are but of course they're also a lot fitter than they were um back in the day and they've got that cohesion from about half the team playing together week in week out so sure. i'm not sure we'll see the whole benefit of the project this time round in 23 but i actually think we'll see some of it i think we'll see a lot more of it come 27 i'm very optimistic We've waited uh, well over 20 years for for there to be some impetus in the club teams outside the old guard, and it's absolutely brilliant that this is happening. What's not so brilliant, gentlemen, and there's no way we can ignore it, was that England, yet again, after all the promises, gave no sign of a performance against Dublin. Uh, I, in Dublin, I thought. I didn't, I didn't think Ireland were actually all that good. I mean, fantastic side, though they are. They weren't at their best. Red card for Billy Vanapola. 
and uh, both him and Owen Farrell are up before the beak this week. Mark Palmer, um, from a distance, I know, I wouldn't say you're gloating, but certainly there is massive deficiencies in this team. There are, and, you know, looking from afar, the, the biggest kind of issue I can identify is that you can't actually identify what they're trying to do here. It's, uh, you know, certainly in the early days of some coaches, you can see, look, that, that's clearly the plan. There are bits and pieces of it coming together. With with England, I don't see any strides forward from the Six Nations. In fact, some of it, some areas are aggression. And just particularly up front, they just look absolutely denuded. The power has gone uh, the mouse is gone. I just, you know, in terms of an English forward pack, that's as poor and as powder puff as I've seen in a long, long time. And I just, if you're looking for signs of life, where are they? That's a very good point. Um, Mark Evans, um, a brand new coaching group has come in. Um, I think we all knew, or at least most, some of us thought that it was a disaster under Eddie Jones. Have they had time to put it right? And should they now be better than they are? That's quite a difficult question because unless you're in the middle of it, it's very hard to tell. I, I slightly disagree, Mark. I, I can see what they're trying to do. I just think it's massively out of date. I don't think the way England are trying to play, and that's why I'm, I can't get too engaged about personnel and selection because actually I don't think it matters very much. Now, that sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? But at the moment, the way they are trying to play, I'm not sure it matters who plays eight, who plays ten, who plays nine, because they're playing a game that is very similar to the game South Africa played in 2019. They kick a lot, they kick box kicks a lot, they play for territory, they kick penalty goals and they kick for the corner. Nothing wrong with that. It's not my style of choice, but nothing wrong with that. But they're not very good at it. It's the way Leicester Tigers played and won the Premiership, and it's exactly the same game plan with some different personnel, but a much, much higher level. I think the most... The interesting thing is about England at the moment is when they have no choice, in other words, when they're down away with 10, 15, 20 minutes to go, they play a completely different way. They did it when they came back against the All Blacks. They did it last weekend against Wales. They even did it with 12 men. Um, which takes some doing, and they did it to a degree this week as well, when the game was gone. But I can see what they're trying to do. I just don't think you can win at the highest level playing like that anymore. Mark, can I just carry on uh, the point you made there about um, uh, the way the Springboks played, uh, which, which I totally get. But actually, the Springboks had a huge amount of go-forward ball with a tremendous scrum, a tremendous scrum in the first half and the second half, massive midfield to to keep the momentum going. Mm. I mean, there is no goal forward in this England team at all. I mean, Ellis Genge and um, and Will Stewart, who who have been trumpeted, are just not really having any effect on the the forward play at all. And in fact, with Tide Furlong on the tight end of Ireland, England were in reverse. So actually, surely, as you say, they're trying to play a certain game. But now is the time to abandon it because they haven't got the basic essentials. That may be true. It's it's quite difficult this late in the day to see what sort of game they're going to go to. Although I do think there is a there are things they could add to their game. I mean, there were a couple of times at the weekend, and I know it's a very small data set, but you know when they got momentum in the midfield off first decent first phase ball, and they immediately kicked it. Immediately, I mean, in the in the, in the on the, after the first ruck, they kicked it to get territory. Which again, I say, we've all seen this before from certain 
Saracens have a particular vintage played like that. Leicester Tigers played like that. The Springboks in 2019 played like that. But if you're going to play like that, you've got to be bloody dominant up front. You've got to have a really good scrum. You've got to have a monstrous driven line out. And you've got to have some big boppers in the midfield who are just going to run hard, run straight, and then kick your corners. And I'm not sure whoever they pick... England have got the personnel to play that way successfully at the very, very highest level. I think it's very hard to see them dominating an all-black pack or an Irish pack or a French pack or a South African pack. And those are the top four teams, and I think Scotland are probably fifth. They're the top four or five teams in the world. Can you in all conscience see England getting dominant enough up front against those teams to really put in a challenge. Having said that, they're in the easiest group. They're going to get out of the group, even if they lose to Argentina. The quarterfinal will probably be Australia, who are not a strong team at the moment. Are they 10th in the world or something? They'll probably make the semi-final. Not playing very well. But I can't see them winning it. That would be a hell of a comment on the state of the draw, frankly, if they beat the semi-final. But uh, this just before we go on to the red cards, etc. I mean, for me, um, even even before the game started, uh, Simon Zebo, who was commentating the former Irish wing, was 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 incredulous about how little activity and drive and energy there appeared to be in the England warm-up. And he, and, he, and he was quite right. And if you look at the two teams, I was really struck by the two wings, Mac Hansen and, and, and James Lowe. They brought so much to the party. They both kicked beautifully. They ran beautifully. They were clearly you know, a motivational force on the field for for their team. I mean, the England wings just didn't appear to want, want to get into the game in in, in that shape or form. The, the, the difference in the attitude of the teams, as far as I can see, was incredible. But Mark Palmer, um, the storm of uh, Owen Farrell was was just about abating. Then then we had the World Rugby Appeal, uh, which Owen saw Owen's up before the beak with the biscuits uh, this week. Then Billy von Apola, who almost, you could almost see him committing a foul tackle about 10 yards away from where yeah. he made it. So does it strike you that the discipline is wrong or that they're trying too hard or that they've just gone crazy? Well, as we know, in these incidents, the, connect, the margins are so fine. You know, slight miscalculations can have disastrous consequences. With Billy, you know, watching that in the car, the press room, a kind of collective groan went up there because he had time to size it up. It, it was, yes. you know, Farrow's incident was a lot more kind of quick fire. It happened and, you know, clearly there has to be a consequence there as well. But with this one, you think, just what, what are you doing? You have time to not make the decision you have. And if you then go ahead with the, the, the original course of action, then you have to bear the consequences. And I think that's, uh, you know, uh, and coming a week after uh, our last uh, our last furore, then uh, I think there's only going to be one outcome here. Um, Mark Mark Evans, um, listen, we know you've you know you've been away. I know you keep in touch with everything, but you've been away, so maybe difficult to prognosticate on this. But a England in the games I've covered, which is all of them, have clearly lost Twickenham, lost the nation. There's the sort of collective groan. Is it too much of a gamble to get the at least the fans back on side by changing the fly half and playing Marcus Smith there? <laughs> uh, honest, well, look, I, I declare an interest, obviously. If I was in charge, which thankfully I'm not, I'd pick Marcus Smith and stuck with him and put a midfield around him that suits his style. There's no point playing Marcus Smith if you're going to play the way 
England are clearly trying to play at the moment. And to change it in your very last warm-up game is um, very, very brave because cohesion will be, will be really struggling. I Again, I said earlier, and it's a not a very fa- fashionable view, I, I honestly don't think the personnel make an awful lot of difference. I'd make a different observation, which is the lack of energy you've identified, Stephen, a lot of people have identified at the weekend, and I think you can go back further and look at the, the game in Cardiff. I was very, very taken with the lack of energy amongst um, the English team. Here's a question I would put. Do these players actually believe in the game plan that they've been asked to execute? I, I, I don't know, but I'd be seriously asking the question because I'm racking my brains to work out why players, with the, with one or two exceptions, I think Ben Earl's been excellent, uh, mm. really, really good, but there's a whole number of players who've got a decent track record of we've seen play at the very, very highest level who look lethargic. There's a distinct lack of enthusiasm and energy, and in a way, I'm sure we all saw it, that sort of over-celebration of minor events, you know, like... I know people have given Belen some stick for, you know, mm. going bonkers for a, a, a crooked line-out throw by the Irish uh, like he'd won the World Cup. But actually, I think it's indicative of... It's almost like you're trying to manufacture enthusiasm and energy yeah. and stuff. There's something across the group which seems to have sucked all the life out of them. That's what would be worrying me if I was anywhere near that, that organisation. Well said, and uh, uh, there was a famous occasion in the 2007 World Cup when England were playing horrendously badly, where it is said that uh, the players called a meeting, eventually Brian Ashton was called in, and they they did change the way they play. And I really think that some key players have got to get together this week, almost as we speak, uh, to change that. Um, Mark, just going back to uh, the reigning champions that you saw on, on the weekend, is there a chance, I mean... Is there a chance, though, that these guys are actually going to be better? Because on some occasions in the last few games, they've played some really good rugby and been really effective, but retained the, the old, uh, you know, the old beastly forward pack. Absolutely. And, you know, with all the necessary caveats about the, the, the team that Wales ended up sending out at the weekend due to a combination of circumstance and choice, you know, that, that was a deeply impressive Springbok display. And as you say, the airs, the, the layers rather that they've added since the last World Cup, whilst lo- losing none of that kind of solidity and, and and just you know there's power upon power, but now with that little kind of gilded edge as well, midfield looks excellent. Back three, they're adding strength and depth almost by the week. Kieran Moody looks another excellent find there. You know, going back to that England pack, you know the, those Springbok forwards by contrast, not not only are they doing excellently in their core jobs. They're all there for the little inside balls, the tip-ons, Tiakalisi's offload for the Malcolm Marks try early on. Um, so the support lines that these guys are running, these are these are excellent rugby players as well as tremendous forwards. So I think they, they definitely look to have kind of got, gone up a level from, from the last tournament and deeply concerning for anybody who's got them in the first game. Andre Pollard's uh, <laughs> mark uh, yes. is, um, is not there. He, he's seen as a real kick-and-fly half. Will they miss a guy who has been central to everything they've done? Or do you think it will actually give them an extra dimension? I'm not sure, if I'm honest, Steve. I think, I think, I think Mark's made the, the, the good point that, that South Africa have developed their game, but they're not playing like they did in 2019. 
They're not. And, and, and they've moved on. They've developed in the same way I, I use a similar team to style. Saracens don't play the way now they used to play four or five years ago. They've moved on. And I think that the absence of Pollard might not be quite as damaging as some people seem to suggest. Uh, what I would say about them is, what, and the bit that is still there, that scrummage... And I know Wales had some pretty ordinary scrummages up against them at various points during that game. But that scrummage is still a thing of raw power right Mm. for 80 minutes. And you look down the opposition and you can only really see France, Ireland and the All Black scrum holding up to that, I think. If Scotland can, I'd give Scotland a chance because they are playing so well. But they're in South Africa's group... And if you're going to beat the Springboks, you've got to... You won't beat them in the scrummage, but you've got to match them in the scrummage. And I'm not sure there are many teams that can do that. We'll come on to Scotland in just one second, but guys, um, we've got someone... One mark was there on Saturday. The other mark was born there. Wales, it seems to me that they've got a tremendous World Cup side, but not for this World Cup. They've got such a forest of players coming through... Oh, almost beyond beyond um, belief if they do get ready for this time. And if uh, Thomas Francis is not playing, well, they've got the most reversible scrum you, you've ever seen. But Mark Ma Palmer, was there anyone there who can um, give Wales a bit of hope in the World Cup in that weekend team that they played? Dyer on the wing, other than his uh, somewhat dubious, contentious yellow card penalty try, I thought he was excellent and, and, and has been consistently any time I've seen him, both uh, both domestically and, and international rugby. Mason Grady, again, look, uh, uh, somebody I've always liked the look of in the URC. I, I don't know what on earth he was doing uh, at that try, but he sort of just threw the ball up in the air. But again, it, as you were saying, it, it's a team that kind of feels like it will em- emerge into something relatively coherent but not at this moment in time they, they badly lack some grown-ups out there and of course at the weekend that was uh, exacerbated by the withdrawals that they had in midweek so I think that was you know that the sort of callowness of the side was even more pronounced but I really you know again on the flip side of that as we were saying with England you could easily have Wales getting to a, a World Cup semi-final even this Wales team because of, of how the draws worked out so you know, it's an, an odd dynamic where they, they should really have no business being anywhere near the knockouts of the World Cup where they are now, but could conceivably get there. Mark Evans, um, what has happened to, to uh, I almost said us, but as journalists, I'd say what's, what's happened <laughs> to Wales? You, We've all followed the, the demise of Wales in terms of administration, uh, in terms of the lead in, in, in modern day rugby, in terms of everything that happens behind the scenes. They, it is years since they produced a really convincing prop, in my view. And now they've got a sort of almost like a ragbag team of old, old contemptibles and new stars. But what's happened to them? Oh, how long have you got? I um, mean, it's, it's, it's a multifaceted. Uh... Uh, explanation for the decline of of Welsh rugby, and the, and you could say the same to be, to a degree of the decline of Australian rugby. There's not; it's happened over a long period of time in both cases, and we haven't got enough time to go into the sort of varying factors behind that. But as, as far as this team is concerned, I think despite the weekend when they were a very callow team, and actually things didn't quite go their way. They, that that was a ridiculous decision against Dyer. That was nowhere, that was a try or a yellow card. Mason Gray had a complete brainstorm and and the game went. I think Warren, who is 
as we all know, international coaching suits Warren Gatland. He's got a terrific record with Wales. I think he'd be quite pleased in a bizarre way how things have gone so far. He's not put his first team on the pitch. He's not in the hardest group. I say that with all, you know, even with Fiji in it. You know, there are lots harder group than the one Wales are in, in the World Cup. I think they'll quite quietly fancy their chances of getting a run at it. You look at their first 15, their first string team is really quite decent. Their problem will be if three or four, any of three or four key personnel, and you've mentioned one of them as well, Thomas Francis already, I'd Mm. put uh, Rollins in that category as well. Yeah. If a couple of them fall over in terms of injuries, then they've got a real problem. But if everybody stays fit, given the draw they've got, I think they'll they might do okay. I've always thought that Gatlin would uh, get something out of them, so I don't think he'd be biased at all. I think that, that's fair enough. Okay, talking about Wales, uh, we'll be getting stuck into their squad, which has been named today, and uh, also talking about Scotland, whose squad was out last week. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss as promised the welsh 33 to go to the french world cup uh, Mark, just looking down the list there for me um Tolupi Falatau and Gareth Anscombe they're, they're, they're key players. I know that Coach Gatlin loves them both. Obviously, their fitness has taken on trust. They both played very little part in anything, the training or the games late, lately. But what's taking your eye, uh, Mark Evans, with the with the team? Well, those two, yes, you're quite right. That was a bit of a surprise. I, I've got... The balance is quite unusual compared to most of the other squads that have been announced today. Very unusual to take four locks and one of them's a 4-6. That I, I haven't seen any... That, that's pretty... That's pretty thin. 
you've got uh, Roland's beard and Jenkins, and then you've, I suppose, you've got Chinza acting yeah, as a four-six, and that's yeah, and, and Jenkins has been suffering from injury as well. Yeah, so that's that's, that's a bit thin. Uh, I'm surprised they they they've taken and why they've done that? Well, they've taken two absolute out and out sevens with Jack Morgan and um, and Rafael. So I think that's unusual. If let's put it that way, um, I, I worry about the front row depth. Uh, uh, Christ, out Thomas Francis doesn't get injured, and in the back line, two scrum halves. Uh, again, I don't think any other team's taking two scrum halves. I suppose the argument is France isn't like last time when Eddie took two out of a squad of thirty-one, and it's a long way to get them to the to the world, long way to Japan. I suppose this time it's, it's you know it's not it's half a day to get to France. But I do think Costello, as a specialist 10, three specialist 10s, two specialist 9s, I probably would have gone the other way. But, you know, I can, you know, other than that, I think it's, I don't think there's too many surprises. Maybe you might have expected to see one of the other young centres in the squad, but you've got to drop someone. And that's always the question is, well, all right, if you want him in, who will you drop to make way? And, you know, it looks, it looks, it's not. I think it's the it's the balance of the squad that the surprises are, uh, rather than the personnel. And also, as you say, there's a little bit of trust going on that uh, Falatau and uh, Amscom are going to be fit. The centres: Johnny Williams, Mason Grady, Nick Tompkins, and George North. If they're mm. all on form, there can be something there. I, I really pleased that Gareth Davis is back because I thought he was brilliant at the last World Cup. He's dipped since then. Aaron Wainwright is back on form. He's a real well maverick. It sounds a little bit self, a little bit deprecating, but he's not. He, he's got a heck of a lot to offer. I really worried about the backup props. I'm glad that Henry Thomas is in there because I never thought the England uh, the, the Welsh backup props are that, that good. Dewey Lake uh, is another guy who's got to recover from injury. I think Lee Halfpenny. This may be sacrilegious. Is rather rather fortunate to be in there. Rather than want to see someone a bit younger, and Cross Chunza of Exeter Chiefs, he's really got to go. He's everyone says he's um, he's really got to go for it. Everyone says he's a great player. A little bit quiet the last few weeks, so let's hope he comes through. Mark Palmer, any anyone to frighten the Scots there? I think as uh, as Mark said, it just looks somewhat lopsided in places. I'm very surprised to see Costello there ahead of another nine. Uh, you know, watching him come through with the Wales twenties looked an excellent prospect. I haven't seen much from him since, both with Scarlet's and in his, what, three or four caps today to suggest he's kind of ready to make that step up. If, God forbid, something was happen to, that was to happen to Dan Bigger, it maybe does speak to still some kind of lingering doubt over Anscombe and how, how ready or otherwise he is to go. Back row-wise, big fan of Tommy Raphael, but also, like as Mark said, I can't see any way that he plays in the same, uh, the same back row unit as, as Jack Morgan. So, again, would they have been, been better off with an all-rounder there, potentially? Yeah, it's got some obvious strengths and weaknesses and potentially more weaknesses and strengths, I would say, at this point. The two captains, uh, joint captains, which, as Max just said off air, is a real Southern Hemisphere thing. I'm not quite sure why that happens, but um, Dewey Lake and Jack Morgan. Uh, I think Dewey Lake is going to be a great player and potential lion and probably Jack Morgan too. So they'll be uh, they'll, they'll be to the fore. Uh, it's a lot of responsibility on Jack Morgan. Normally, when Wales go to these... Tournaments, they've had uh, like Sam Warburton there, who's been there for years. Now they're asking Jack to be the new Sam Warburton, which is quite difficult. There is class there, and I think that when you look at the likely 15, 
providing they all stay fit. It's not quite as I think Mark said during the program. It's not quite as as dismal and pessimistic as uh, as some people think. I think it's not a bad side, and I think they'll be competitive. I I agree. I, I think it's just a bit thin, uh, and that's. People always say you you need depth at a World Cup. Well, you don't always. That's a bit of a myth, actually. Particularly now you're not getting four or five-day turnarounds. Most of the games now are spaced, so you get at least a six-day turnaround, uh, even the smaller nations. So you pick your best 15 out of that squad, and if they're all fit and they'll play the way that you know Gatland's teams play, they'll be hard to beat, they'll stay in the fight... They won't let the scoreboard get away with them. You know, they just, you know, it won't be like it was at the weekend with the younger guys playing. Yeah, you think that first game is looking increasingly important, isn't it? They're playing Fiji in the first game down in Bordeaux on the Sunday of the first weekend. I, you gotta hope that if they pick the light, they will, they won't pick Angscombe to start, but they pick Falatau to start to get some carry, you've got to hope he's fit. You've got to hope that Thomas Francis is fit. You've got to hope that there's... I tell you, it'll be interesting how, how physical they go in training because there's there's a one or two players in that squad you wouldn't want to lose. OK, that's enough about Wales for now. Mark Palmer, we've been talking from the top of the programme about the huge promise of Scotland. Um, people talking a good game. Uh, one of the great, the most self-confident players is now captain as well as fly half. Are you daring to dream? And um, is it genuine, the hope and expectation? I think there is a belief there that potentially hasn't been in previous years and certainly previous World Cup campaigns. However, tempered by the, the crushing reality of the draw that, that, that Scotland have found themselves in, or the side of the draw Scotland find themselves in, needing to beat one of at least South Africa, or at least one of South Africa or Ireland to go through at the quarterfinals. Two teams that have proved to be slightly uh, rugby kryptonite to, to Gregor Townsend, Scotland, their style of play, the way that they can outpower teams. Scot- Scotland will and have created problems for any defence. Their, their attacking game has developed exponentially over the last 12 to 18 months. They will score tries, they will hurt defences. Again, the doubts would be over whether they can withstand or find an answer to teams who come at them straight up the middle. Um, which, of course, Ireland and South Africa will do. There's a school of thought that the more winnable of the two games is South Africa because we have them first up. Again, some some may be revisiting that optimism after after the weekend, after seeing what, what happened in Cardiff. But it's a strange place to be in that the, the Scottish team probably feels as if it's rarely been, if ever been in a better place going into a World Cup. But the circumstances in which it finds, or the context in which it finds itself in the tournament is uh, puts them right up against it. Mark, are they good enough up front in 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 the front five? And how much difference does the rise of uh, Jack Dempsey made? It's it's huge. Uh, Scotland have lacked a number eight of that profile for so many years. We can all argue the ins and outs of you know somebody who played for the Stewie at the last World Cup now turning out for Scotland in a way that probably wasn't intended with the uh, the, the change in uh, eligibility criteria. Tier one to tier one probably wasn't the wasn't the first option that people were thinking of, but. He's there. He's excellent. Both sides of the ball bring a sort of real punch to that back row where, you know, Matt Ferguson has been a really solid and, and consistent number eight for Scotland. Dempsey has that real dynamism, which is going to be required in both those, those inverted commas, big games. And I think there's a real balance to that back row now with, with Jamie Ritchie, the captain, and, and Rory Darge, who, as you guys have seen with both club and countries, yeah. is coming at an exceptional level. Set piece wise, 
the scrum, I, I think it can just about hold its own against South Africa. He says boldly, Xander Fagerson, the key component there, the fact that he also avoided a, a sort of tournament-impacting ban was huge because otherwise they're relying on a 512-year-old William, William Nell who is, is still plugging along quite magnificently at his age. But, you know, the, the drop-off from Xander is, is stark. So, yes, the ingredients are there to fuel optimism. But, you know, once that's confronted with the, the harsh reality of, of South Africa on, on opening night, well, we may well have cause to revisit. I'd like to have the last word. We had the first word about Fiji. I would like to have a, one more word about Fiji. Mark, do you fancy Scotland? They are better. They play a much quicker and uh, more, not speculative, a much quicker and more dramatic game than England. Have, have they got a chance or are they just being done by the draw? Both. They've been done by the draw. Um, and I think, goodness me, we cannot ever again put the draw in three years before the event. I know no. you can't leave it to three months. I'm not stupid. But three years is, things can change so much. You know, I think when the draw was made, and it's why Scotland are where they are, they were ranked ninth or tenth. But they're a mighty fine side. I mean, I think we can. You can, if you're not careful, you can sort of patronise the Scots a bit, really, because of the because of the past when they maybe flattered to deceive a little bit. I look at that again. Their first choice team, nine to fifteen, they're absolutely top class. They're as good as anybody nine to fifteen. I mean, anybody. I do mean that. I do think Xander's so important for them. If 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 he stays fit and the scrum gets parity. Can they unlock the South African press defence or will they get hit behind the gain line too often and spill it? If you put the top five games I'm looking forward to in the World Cup, South Africa-Scotland is right up there. It's going to be an absolutely fascinating contrast of styles and I would give Scotland a 35-40% chance of winning. Okay, that's uh, that's decent. Um, Just finally, lads, the World Cup's been going on for this is not far off forty years now, uh, thirty-five years. There are no more until recently. There have never been any more contenders, true contenders for the title, or even for the semi-finals, than there were then. Which is, I think, is a shocking, shocking comment on rugby and the way that the unions, the major unions, have divvied it all up for themselves this time. Uh, partly because of the homeland um, distinction and people having players back, but also the rise of Fiji and what what Mark has said at the start of the programme. In my opinion, this tournament will be settled in terms of how great it is if Fiji come through and get through the quarterfinal and, and semifinals. That will then be a great World Cup, and I don't care who wins it. Mark Evans? Mm. Well, thank you. Yeah, we'd be pleased. I do think there are some... I I share your, as you know, I share your um, impatience with the slow rate of change that there's been in the last so many years, decades even. Um, I I would be slightly... I I do think there's more challenges for the title this year. We've mentioned Scotland. We we should note that Ireland have never been past a quarterfinal and France have never won it. So I, I st- even leaving aside the less established nations, I do think there has been, well, maybe some of the established countries have dropped and others have replaced them. But there are, I, I'm quite excited, you know, to see Ireland finally deliver a World Cup. That would be great. I'd love to see France win it. Clearly, um, Scotland coming out of their group would be a wonderful story. Fiji and others, Georgia is the other one. Of course, they're in the same group, aren't they? So... 
I do think what this shows, however, if I may get on my soapbox just for a second, uh, you've got to give World Rugby some credit here. Georgia and Fiji would be nowhere near where they are now without in direct investment from World Rugby, which they mm. squeeze out after the distribution to the former Tier 1 nations. If you look at where the money's distributed from World Rugby, which almost all comes from the World Cup and very little else, a huge amount still goes to the established nations. But even in a country like Georgia or Fiji or Samoa, a relatively small amount of money can have a massive difference over time, so long as it's there consistently and it's not mismanaged. And if we as a game were to do more of that, we would see smaller nations particularly, and I do mean smaller geopolitically, not just smaller rugby nations, Georgia's only got 3 million people. Fiji's got less than a million. Samoa's got 250,000, plus the diaspora. It's totally unrealistic to expect these countries to have the level of investment from their own resources to get to where they need to get to. The paradox is, we as a game, and the Rugby World Cup as a tournament, would be so much more valuable, a relatively small level of investment could pay back in multiple ways both financially and from a sporting integrity point of view. I really hope that in the next two World Cups, you know, I want to see Japan get back to the 2019. They've fallen off a bit. I want to see Fiji keeping making progress. I want to see Samoa and Tonga, much more difficult than Fiji, to be honest, for the whole reasons, a whole host of reasons we won't go into. I'd like to see them build on the thing that's really helped them already, which is that we've re referred to the change in regulation and qualification. There are some very small countries around the world who are pretty good at rugby, and if the rest of the game could just, for a minute, get its head up and see how it could generate some extra value and extra revenue in the long run, it would be a great, great thing. Mark, uh, Mark Palmer, you, you, you clearly agree with Mark, and uh, are we just turning a corner, maybe, in terms of expanding the game in term, uh, and then again in terms of proper contenders? I, I think so. And I think certainly in the sort of right-hand side, if you want to call it that, Pool C, Pool D side of the draw, I think there will be a number of potentially su surprise results. Argentina, I think, as, as we always know, there can be a, a great tournament team. They're going to be a real threat to, to England in that in that pool. Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, you know, nothing would necessarily surprise you there. And I think just generally, having been over in Saint Etienne last week for Scotland's warm-up game, the, the, the vibe was already clearly coming through about the, the expectation there is around this tournament from the public. We yeah. know France will put on an excellent tournament, even in a non-rugby city like that. It, it was absolutely jumping, crowd are all over it, branding everywhere. I think there, there are there are all the ingredients there for this to be a fantastically successful tournament on and off the pitch. And you know, no great tournament is complete without a few shock results, is it? That's that's what makes it. And think uh, it's only England now who have to uh, join the party. I think everybody else is pretty well stuck there with their party clothes already, just needing them to come along too. Okay, guys, that's pretty well put the World Cup into some sort of context at the moment. Weekend games coming up, loads of them. South Africa versus New Zealand it takes place at Twickenham on Friday. We've also got England versus Fiji, Italy versus Japan, Scotland versus Georgia, France, Australia, Ireland versus Samoa. So... Plenty of um, action on the, on the weekend. 
Just quickly uh, for everybody, South Africa, New Zealand. Mark Evans, will will they play their full sides in that? Is it important or is it just a moneymaker? It's important. Don't knock money-making, Steve. Right without it, the game can't operate. The I'm not sure they'll pick their full team, and I'm not sure they'll show their full hand. But they've got such strong squads, both of these countries. It's going to be a belter. I've got a massive man crush on Will Jordan. So if he plays, I'll be delighted to be there. Okay. Fiji versus England, Mark Palmer. It would be a heck of a shock. Or would it be a heck of a shock should the, Fiji the win? England win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shock win as England take yeah, England take the crown. Okay. Well, I just think it'd be lovely. Um if Fiji come through with no injuries for a start, we'll we'll, we'll also be lovely. Italy, Japan. You'd love to see Japan play some of the rugby they played last time in, in Japan at their own World Cup. No sign of it at the moment. Italy's revival is that would always be nice. Scot Scotland, Georgia. Possibly a shock there, Mark, but or, or will Scotland be really up for it? Well, Gregor said last week that he fully intends to put out a, a quotes a strong, a close quotes team. So again, as Mark said, with regards to um, the, the box and, and the All Blacks, I can't imagine it'll be absolutely full noise, particularly. You know, Finn Russell, do we really need to see him this weekend or would you be getting the biggest roll of cotton wool that you could find and, and keeping in it for the swing box? Um, uh, particularly with uh, some things to discover about his backup in Ben Healy. I think it'll be good prep for Scotland in terms of the, the forward challenge that's coming uh, in that pool. They've had some good ding-dong battles with George over the years and I've always kind of pulled away with that, with, um, with the kind of added ability in the back line and, and I, I suspect it'll follow a similar path this weekend. It's also France-Australia. Mark Evans, um, oh. any sign of gathering strength from Eddie Jones and his boys? No. Not really. They've still got some decent players and they played pretty well when they went away down to New Zealand, Dunedin. But that was against us, not a completely second string All Blacks. And is there ever such a thing anyway? But I think the way they played in the, the, the game in Australia was a worry. Their front row is what concerns me. If if Tupo doesn't play, they are really going to battle against the big scrummaging units. And if if France put out Antonio and his mates this weekend again, which they did last weekend against Fiji, yeah, that I think they might win that reasonably comfortably. But um, Australia, they're going to get through their group probably, aren't they? And, and 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 we've all seen teams build in a tournament, and confidence is a really important thing. So. If they were on the other side of the draw, I'd say forget it. Australia got no chance of getting through, but mm. they're not, and they and they will. And Eddie's a competition animal, and so are Australia. Actually, they perform better at World Cups than they do in between. On the whole, I think they'll get beaten this weekend quite comfortably, but I wouldn't write them off when when the real thing comes around. Okay, Ireland uh, Samoa, Ireland number one in the world. Be absolutely marvellous if we see evidence of uh, of the rise of Samoa, maybe with some players coming back. Um, so you'd hope that uh, they do take Ireland most of the way, which uh, which England didn't. Okay, next up, we finish today's show with God or Goddess of the Week. Okay. Mark Evans, God or Goddess? This is an obvious choice. 
uh, I make no apologies for it. Keith Earls, that was just... It was heartwarming, wasn't it? You know, we, we are so critical of the game sometimes, and particularly through the prism of whichever country we happen to be working predominantly in. You feel a lot more optimistic about the game if you're working in Ireland or France or Fiji at the moment than you do if you're working in the game in England or Wales. Uh, that's just the way it is. But that surely was a was an occasion and a try and the manner of the try. I don't care if it was a forward pass. No one in the world should be giving that as a forward pass. Uh, it was just fantastic. The guy has been extraordinary. You know, he was a lion in 2009. Just, just, ah, oh, mate, chapeau, just fantastic. Fantastic. Mark Palmer. We go slightly left field and young Ange Capuozzo, who is back from injury just in time to play for Italy at the World Cup. I mean, if we in Scotland think we've got a tough pool, I think the Italians will have something to say about that with both uh, New Zealand and France. But, mm. you know, in, in terms of the, the broader context of the tournament, we want the big stars there. And this young man certainly can be one. Came back um, from his injury, as I say, two tries in the magnificently named San Benedetto del Tronto on Saturday night. <laughs> um, Italy have added, you know, some real ambition behind the scrum of late and he's a huge part of that you know with the back three of him um, Monte Oani who's also back after brief exile and they have Odogu in there as well uh, there's uh, there's some real power some real pace and, and penetration there slightly odd decision they've made to part ways with Kieran Crowley after the tournament that generally accepted that he's got them on the right path but uh, I'm sure those guys who he's given his, given their head over the last couple of years will be desperate to send them out on a high with by pulling off one statement win from somewhere Brilliantly done, Hans Kapuot. So I find myself in very, very unfamiliar ground here because I and I agree with every word that Mark Evans just said. <laughs> I only wrote one name down, and that's Keith uh, Keith Earls. He may not be the greatest player of all, of all time, but he's certainly not bad. He's got a hundred caps. You wouldn't possibly remember more than a few of them, but um, he is just keeps on going, going, going. Then he he announces his desperation to be in the World Cup squad, and that was a magnificent moment when he scored the try. So Mark and I are, are on the, um, the same territory for the first time ever. We'll be we'll tell you, we'll be agreeing with relegation from the Premiership next. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Mark Palmer, and thank you very much, Mark Evans. Um, it's great to have the two marks. Thank you very much for listening. 